going to hear from the Bible now. We've got uh, Matthew going to read to us um, from 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 7. It's a book in the Old Testament, uh, and it's a short story. Uh, so 2 Kings chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go round and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour all the oil into jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and as she kept pouring, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Thank you. Do you know, they say, or it's been said, uh, that we're all two pay packets away from being on the streets. And certainly for some people that has been their experience. I've met homeless people and you encounter them and actually, you know, one minute they were doing well or living a normal life and then one thing led to another and they find themselves on the streets. It can happen. It can happen all too easily. Um, and you can find yourself destitute. This woman in this story is on the verge of being made destitute. Her husband has died. The father of the household has died. And in a man's world, as it was for sure back then, um, she was left in a tricky position. But oh, at least she had her two sons to look after her. Uh, but no, she had debts. You know, she didn't have a pension or life insurance to fall back on. She had debts to pay. And in order for those debts to be paid, uh, her creditors were going to take her two sons effectively as slaves. It was quite common practice. And they would have to go and work for the creditors until the debts were paid. Where would that leave her? That would leave her destitute. That would leave her reliant on handouts, reliant on help from her neighbours, from those around. It was not a great situation. Do you know what? I, wanna, I feel like God wants me to say this. Some of us are not in a great situation either. And we might not be in a, just about to be on the streets, but spiritually, we're not in a great place. Uh, maybe that, you know, you're watching at home, and actually, if you're honest, you're two steps away from destitution. There's a lostness. You don't know where you're at anymore. And you're in a, good, a bad place. And I want to say, today, this story can show us six steps, <laughs> six steps, to a better life with God. Six steps to a better life with God. And the first step, if you're in a difficult situation, or even if you're not, the first thing I want to say is go first to God. Go first to God. This woman, 
uh, she goes straight to Elisha, who was the man of God. Uh, she goes and reminds him that her husband, her dead husband, was also a prophet and a man who feared God, just like Elisha, the prophet. She goes first, effectively, to God. Now, have you ever done this? You're a liar if you haven't done this. Uh, you need help with something, so what do you do? You Google it. Uh, or you, you rack your brains, you try and think of all the best things you can do, and you wear yourself out, and eventually, because nothing else works, you think, oh, well, I might as well just pray about it. Has anybody done that? I've done that more times than I care to remember. Let's make God our first port of call, rather than our last resort. Too often we make God and prayer our last resort. Well, nothing else has worked, so I might as well pray about it. Now, God might give us practical things to go and do, but let's make God our go-to. Go first to God. It's really simple. That's what this woman does. Uh, she could have gone all around her neighbours. She could have done all sorts of things. She could have just sat at home and thought, woe is me, what am I going to do? But no, she goes where she knows she's going to encounter God. She goes to the man of God, Elisha. That's the first step if we want to live a better life with God. Whether we're in crisis or not, whether we're facing destitution or not, go first to God. Make it our practice that whatever we might be facing, let's just go to God. Get into that habit of going to him. A second thing I want to say is this. Don't discount what you already have. Don't discount what you already have. Elisha says to the woman, how can I help? And then his next question to her is, what do you already have in your house? What do you have in your house? Now the first instant response that she gives is, I've got nothing at all in my house. I've got nothing. And she was poor. She would have had pretty much nothing in the house, except for a small jar of olive oil, she says. I've got nothing. Oh, it's just a small jar of olive oil. She didn't hardly think at first that it was worth mentioning. Too often, we look at what we've got, and we don't count it. Oh, well, I've just got this. My life kind of nothing special. I've only got this much faith. <laughs> and we look at someone else and we see that they've got a big vat of olive oil and we think, oh, well, you know, compared to them, I've got nothing. Oh, oh, my gifts, they're nothing. They're nothing special. But that person, their gifts, they're amazing. We can live our whole lives in that place of discounting what we already have. Now, Elisha says to her, let's take what you've got. Let's start with what you already have. Now, this is a really key principle in the kingdom of God. In the New Testament, Jesus is faced with a massive crowd who are starving hungry. And what does he do? Does he conjure up food out of nothing? No. He says, what have we got? We've just got a couple of sandwiches. You know, we've got a boy's packed lunch. He then takes that and does a miracle and feeds the 5,000, but he starts with what they've got. There's another story in the New Testament. Called, we call it the parable of the talent. There's a businessman. He's just about to go out on business, and he gives his servants some money. He says, go and make money for me. And off he goes. And he comes back, and three of his servants 
come to them and they say, yeah, look, this is the money you gave me. I've gone out and made money, more money. Well done. Next servant comes back. Listen, I've made some more money with the money you gave me. Well done. The other servant says, well, you only gave me a bit and here it is. I kept it safe for you at least. I hid it in the ground. <laughs> Not so well done. He didn't count that what he had was worth doing something with. And often we don't do that. We, we, we discount what we already have. But God looks at you and he looks at me. And he doesn't see us that way. He sees potential. He sees what we already have. And God wants to develop and magnify and multiply that. That's the principle that God works by. So don't discount what you already have. And say, oh, I've not got much. And let's start with that. It's a great principle in the church. You know, we can say, look at the, the other big church up the road and they've got this and they've got that and all the rest of it. Yeah, but what have we got? <laughs> let's start with what we got. Let's work with that. And take that and God will use that. It's a great principle in the kingdom of God and it's what happens in this story. Elisha then says, right, ah, you've got a small jar of olive oil. We'll work with that. Doesn't sound that much, does it? But we'll work with that. The next point, if you want to live a better life with God, is you've got to get empty jars. Get empty jars. Elisha says, go round and ask your neighbours for jars. Not just a few, but go and get as many as possible. Now, he did not stipulate what colour the jars needed to be. He didn't say what size the jars needed to be. What did he say that? He said they needed to be empty. These jars just need to be empty. Really strange request, isn't it? Go around all your neighbours and just ask them for empty jars. Now, if it was set in the UK... You know, he'd really need to say to the widow, don't just get a few, because we'd be like, oh, no, 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 one or two is fine for me. You know, we're very reserved, aren't we, in the UK. But he's very clear, go and get as many as you possibly can. Go and ask. It's hard to do that, isn't it, when you need help. But we need to go and ask. That's what this woman had to do. She went and asked for help and had to go and get as many jars as possible, but it had to be empty. I'm wonder, what are your jars like at home? Sometimes our jars are full and they're full of stuff what's your jar full of maybe it's full of busyness maybe it's full of distractions maybe it's full of your own worries and anxieties we need to empty these jars we need to get rid of all the stuff why because God wants to fill your jar he wants to fill your jar today he wants to be filling it up and he can't fill it up if it's full of stuff We've got to get our jars empty. Now, she already had the one jar full, so don't empty that one. But your other jars, empty them. Have empty jars. What's my life like? If we want God to fill our lives, if we want a better life with God, we've got to empty our jars. I've got to open myself up to God. And there's going to be an availability there. We're too full of other stuff. Even God. Even God can't get in. So we've got to get some empty jars. You know, God isn't looking for perfect, you know, um, priceless uh, vases and so on. Remember in the New Testament, Paul talks about us as jars of clay. And God puts his treasure in a jar of clay. 
just clay, ordinary pot. You and I, we're ordinary pots, right? We're ordinary jars. But God wants to put his treasure in it. But we have to empty those jars. And that might mean repentance. That might mean saying sorry to God for something bad we've done. That might be a bad habit we need to get out of. We need to bring our sins to God. Empty our jars. The next thing I want to say is we've got to shut the door. Shut the door. Very clear again. It's a strange little story, isn't it? But Elisha's instructions are, once you've got all these jars, go inside and shut the door with your, you and your sons. Shut the door of the house. Now, this was the Middle East. In the Middle East, you didn't shut your door. We're all too used to shutting our doors, and we lock them, and we have the, was it, five-point um, bolts on the doors so that we're compliant with insurance demands and all the rest of it. But in the Middle East, you didn't shut your door. You know, you're part of the community. And people didn't live on their own, generally. You know, you, you had people would come and go. But it's very clear, shut the door. This is something that God's going to do for you in private. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus says the same thing when we're praying. What does he say? He says, go into your room and shut the door. Shut the door. Now, sometimes, if you've got a busy house, you've got kids running around, that means literally, shut the door. Shut that door. Who said that? Who used to, who, I can't remember who used to say that. Larry Grayson. Thank you very much on the money. Thank you. Um, you know, but sometimes it's not a literal door. Maybe it's the door to you know, the messages that are coming through on my smartphone. I need to just put the smartphone in another room. Otherwise, or, you know, it's going to disturb me. Or uh, it may be my thoughts. Does anyone else struggle with this? You know, you've got thoughts racing ten to the dozen. Yeah, I see some people nodding. Thank you, even if only in sympathy for me. I, 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 sometimes I, I, I want to pray, I want to come to God, but my thoughts are all over the place. And I, I, I struggle. And I, I know sometimes I can see myself, a thought, going down a road. And I know that if I go down that road, half an hour will pass and I will still be going down that road. Uh, I need to shut the door on that thought. It's about being self-aware. And so I need to close the door. Hang on a minute. We're going down this road again. Let's stop that thought right process right now. Shut the door. There's a, there's sometimes in order to say yes to God, we've got to say no to other things. So we need to shut the door. But then the next point is this. When once we shut the door, you know what we need to do? We need to start to pour. We need to start to pour. This woman is told, once you've got the door shut and you're inside, start pouring. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled put it to one side now she could have said i don't want to start pouring i've only got a small little jar of olive oil let's just say for a second that's olive oil all right i've only got one little jar i don't want to lose it if i start pouring there'll be drips falling everywhere i don't want to do that i want to keep this safe i want to keep hold of this if she'd done that she wouldn't have seen a miracle it wouldn't have multiplied but no you've got to start pouring if you want to see God doing something and filling your life and doing, uh, giving you a better life, essentially. Start pouring. Now that might be, for you, that might be pouring out your heart to God. You start giving your heart to God. Start pouring it out. But it also can mean pouring our lives out for other people. Giving ourselves to others. You know, in September 2019, I was in Brazil and uh, 
incredible, you know, there was just an atmosphere of faith where we went and uh, we received from God. You know, if you go overseas, you do you know, like a trip or something like that, I mean, Christian trip, you think you're going to give something, you end up receiving way more than you give. Uh, uh, but towards the end of the trip, I remember one of the uh, people asking the guy leading the trip, a guy called Randy Clark, and he said, uh, he said, Randy, how do we get to keep what we've learned, what we've got on this trip? You know, we've received a higher level of faith. We've, we've met with God. And, and, you know, how do we get to keep this? And his response was, you get to keep what you give away. You get to keep what you give away. And when you've got something, like a, a little jar of oil, you've got to give it away. You've got to pour. You've got to pour out your life. Poor, poor, poor. Sometimes, though, we think we're too poor to pour. <laughs> but we've got to pour. And I think if we discount ourselves, if we don't think we're worth it, if we don't think that what we have is very much, we'll never start pouring. But actually, what you have is precious to God. And it's precious for God. And it can have a great impact in the kingdom. So start pouring. You know, the most useful people to God are not the, you know, the, the most best looking or the most gifted and all the way. They're just the people who are willing to pour. <laughs> God is looking for people who are willing to pour out their lives. You know, we sing that song, I pour out my praise. I pour out my praise. Too often, folks, we hold back. We say, oh, I can't spare it. What if I lose it? You won't lose it. As you give out, you'll get more. And that's what happens to this woman. There's they start pouring into the jars, they start pouring, and then more olive oil keeps coming. And there's just more, and there's just an abundance. Now, the Holy Spirit is the oil of God. Now, I know the Holy Spirit isn't specifically mentioned in this passage, but oil is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. And God wants to be pouring out his Holy Spirit into us. But sometimes we can say, Lord, I want more, more, more. I want to receive from you. I want to receive from you. Actually, we need to start pouring out what we've already got. Then God will supply. Then God will give. Because he knows it's worth it. Because it's going to go. You get what I'm saying? He's going to pour into you if he knows you're going to give it away. So if we want to live a life that's useful for God, if we want to live a better life for God, we've got to start pouring. And so the woman's like, keep pouring, keep pouring, gets to her sons, you know, bring me another jar, keep pouring, bring me another jar, keep pouring, until they get to a point where there's no more jars. The sixth and final point is that we then need to go back to God. <laughs> Once she's got all her jars full, she's got a house full of jars of olive oil, what's she going to do with that? <laughs> she goes back to God, she goes back to the man of God, to Elisha. And he says, go, sell the oil, pay off your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. Now, if she hadn't gone to him, she'd have gone around all her neighbours, and yes, they, she might have got a few handouts. She might have got a, a free meal here and there, but it wouldn't have lasted. God's solution was so much better. She got a house full of olive oil that then gave her a business. She was able to clear her debts, gave her a business, and away she went. I say we've got to pour out, and that's so true. But if we don't then go back to God, we will drain. We will get drained, and we will drain out, and we will run out. <laughs> we need to keep coming back to God. 
And that is a process of a life with God, a better life with God. You go to God first, but then you come back to God. And we keep making that a habit. It's like a cycle. That's what Sundays are about. We come back to God so that then for the week we can go out and pour for God. That's what a a prayer time in the morning is about. We come back to God so that we can pray and receive and get filled up again so then we can go out and pour. But if we don't come back, we will drain. (laughs) We will get running dry. So I believe in this tiny little story in the Old Testament, there's some great principles for living a better life with God. Steps to a better life with God. So I want to pray for us now. I want to pray for us who are at home. I want to pray for us who are here. I believe God is speaking to us now. There is no shortage of oil in God's kingdom. There is no shortage of his spirit. His spirit is an oil of gladness. His spirit is an anointing oil. Lord, would you come? And as we're here now, would you be filling our jars? We're sorry we filled them up with rubbish and we stuff that we need to get rid of. Lord, we will repent of that. We lay it down. We, we want to empty those jars and we ask, would you fill them afresh? Come, Holy Spirit. Just invite you to be speaking to us. Just invite you to be meeting with us. find your thoughts are distracting you and going elsewhere, just shut the door of it. Because what God has in store for you is so much better. to God just come as you are I think for too long some of us have discounted what we have we've not counted it as worth anything but God is looking at you today Father looking to his child just seeing such potential such treasure he's called you calling you now. He's calling you for a purpose. He's calling you to be one who pours your life out for him and for the sake of the world. So are you willing? Are you going to be obedient to his call today? Are you going to heed his call? Might be a strange request. This widow had to fulfill a strange request. The instructions were strange. But are you going to listen? Are you going to obey God today? He's he's calling to you today. Just come as you are. Just do business with God right now. 
do business with him. Some of us really need to get ourselves sorted with God. Holy Spirit, would you be ministering to all of our hearts? We bless you. if you're uh, in need of prayer I want to encourage you to message the, or you can call or message the, the, the prayer line we've got, a, we've got a prayer line here at the church make use of that we've got prayer ministry maybe you've got a friend who can pray for you maybe you want to get so just maybe you're randomly watching this and just want to get in touch with the church just get in touch with us we'd love to pray for you we want to pour ourselves out sounds cheesy it's an advert but you are worth it (laughs) Jesus died on the cross because you're worth it that's what he thought that's how God looks at you today you are worth it you're my child so don't hold back anymore stop running come back to him pour out your life pour out your praise Come back to God. Those of us who are standing here, I invite you to stand. We're going to sing our final song. We're going to sing praises to God. How great is our God. The splendor of the King. Just give your heart in worship. Just give yourself to Him. Pour out your life to Him. You won't regret it. Pour out your life to Him. Pour out your heart to Him. You know, when you pour oil into a jar, it goes right to the bottom. Let God's love sink right to the bottom in your life, right to the bottom of your heart. Don't let it just touch, stop on the surface, yeah? Let it sink down. Receive. Receive what God is doing. Receive what the Holy Spirit is ministering to you right now. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Some of us have not felt joy and gladness for a long time. God is wanting to pour out His oil of joy, His oil of gladness in your life right now right now just receive what God is doing we want to fix our eyes on him we want to proclaim Jesus we want to look to the cross we want to seek your face Lord we want to give glory glory to you he's the name above all names the king of all kings he's Jesus he died for you he rose again he reigns on high he's Jesus He's your righteousness. He's your joy. Just receive what he's doing. Just receive the love of Jesus right now. We're going to sing the splendor of the king. Robed in majesty. He's robed in majesty. He's so amazing. Receive. Don't hold back. 